0: you're listening to 100 words or less with Ray Harkins. Hello everybody. Hopefully you're doing okay on this day or evening or whenever you're listening to it. Maybe you're listening to it on your morning walk on your, you know, your Peloton ride or wherever else. Like I just always, when people email me and they tell me the context in which they're listening to this show, it really brings me joy because uh, that's the same way that I do podcasts. You know, you're doing something else, whether it's working out or whether it's like cooking dinner, whatever it is. But we are here talking independent music. That is why you download this podcast, why you listen to it on a week-to-week basis. And last week's was was a real banger. We had a lot of downloads last week. Apparently, a lot of you like Gate Creeper, and a lot of you like Chase as a human being, because, uh, yeah, a lot, a lot of downloads last week. And I expect that trend to continue, because we have a great episode with Mike Reed from Small Brown Bike. I love Small Brown Bike deeply and passionately. I saw the band a lot in the early 2000s when they were touring off of uh, Our Own Wars and the Riverbed, and just... Uh, A lot of great records, and they have since put out a ton of new music over the past, I don't know, like eight years or so, Um, you know, EPs here and there, just like, just a really good band. So I wanted to pick Mike's Brain because they are such an interesting band existing in the Michigan area, where most people would have assumed that they were probably from Florida (laughs) based on their sound. But uh, yeah, if you have not checked out Small Brown Bike, please do yourself a favor, go listen to their, uh, you know, discography, wherever you uh, listen to music. Uh, I highly recommend their record, uh, Our Own Wars. Um, It's a really, really, really good record. But frankly, you can't go wrong with any of their stuff. So that's what we do here, and that's what we're doing this week. But you can always, always, and I encourage you to please email the show, 100wordspodcast at gmail.com. I get to all my email, I respond as quickly as humanly possible, and I like to have that dialogue because, um, you know, it's fun to interact with all of you fine people who I might have a one-sided relationship with. I want to have a two-sided, is that or, or actually an actual relationship, as opposed to you just listening to me talk in your ears. And then, if you wouldn't be so kind as to review this particular show on Apple Podcasts, it just helps the show from a you know uh, algorithm perspective. It helps people discover this thing and makes it legit in the uh, the big algorithms' eyes. Also, I'm doing something fun that I've been really really enjoying on my own personal Instagram at xpurposex. If you want to follow me along there, but every Sunday I've been having a guest and we talk records. Like we basically bring five seven inches to the table. My guest brings five seven inches to the table, and uh, we share stories. And it's really really fun. I've had guests of or previous guests of this particular podcast on there, and it's just a really good time. So if you like vinyl, if you like talking about bands and stories, join me there. Um, yeah, that's. I know it's kind of a weird self-serving plug, like, follow me on Instagram, but that's not really why. You don't even have to follow me. You can just <laughs> duck in there on Sundays and be able to uh, to view the stream. So fun stuff. But let's talk to Mike Reed, okay? He, like I said, if you have not listened to Spalber My Bike, do yourself a favor, check them out, and then, um, yeah, Dive into this convo. So here is Mike. It's actually funny because I've uh, I've interviewed interviewed you before. This was like oh oh. Oh yeah, dude. It's funny. Like we, I think when you guys came through, cause I live in Southern California, you guys played at chain reaction with uh, ghost, mm-hmm. if I'm not mistaken, or the ghost. Yeah. Um, yeah. Yep. Yeah. And it,
1: turn, I, I think. Yeah. That tour.
0: Yeah, exactly. And I was, uh, I, I wrote for a zine out here called status magazine and, yeah. um, it was, you were my first, like, I guess, in-person interview, for lack of a better term. Like, wow, that's awesome, man. <laughs> yeah, it was, and, and you were sweet. And, you know, we had a nice little hour-long conversation. Not like I'm expecting you to remember it. Man, um, I'm so, I feel like dick. <laughs> no, dude, come on. Give me a break. That was like 20 years ago, dude. Okay. <laughs> yeah, this was, you know, whatever, 2001 or something like that. But, um the uh I, I saw you the first time you guys came out here to Southern California when you played at coos cafe with uh thrice and I want to say Kelton DMD, if that sounds right yeah right.
1: probably was that with casket
0: lottery too I Yes. Say that
1: was the west coast tourist yeah yeah wow yeah I remember that yeah
0: yeah yeah, yeah. and uh I, re- I I was familiar with you guys and I was uh, you know interested in seeing you guys but it was funny because I'm sure Uh, my experience of the way that people described small brown bike, uh, is very indicative of how most people, you know, came to listen to you guys where it's like, oh yeah, it's like hot water music, but a little weirder. (laughs) (laughs) I was like, like, okay, cool. And then watching you guys, like, you know, you could clearly see the influences that you were pulling from, but at the same time you were, you know, obviously doing your own thing. Was it, um, you know w- was it kind of interesting for you guys like as you started to you know navigate the world and tour and stuff like that to kind of live in that shadow of like no matter what we're always going to be compared to this band i, I mean flattering comparison but we're always going to be compared to this yeah
1: yeah i don't know we never really i mean it was there and man the hot water did so much for us i mean not just even just in- inspiration i mean the first time i saw hot water was uh was at a little diy space in in kalamazoo with giants chair um and it was just like and i I i'll never forget it it was just really really awesome both bands giants chair too just kind of were one of those you know touch points that kind of started to you know change my perception of what i you know music and just how to make it really and so they're 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 for sure inspiration you know from a creative perspective and then once we you know met them and and it just got to tour with them. And really, it was like, they totally felt like, um, you know, it's not like they were a ton older than us, but they were like a, you know, big brother band in some ways where <laughs> they were like, yeah, they, they, they were so awesome and just inspiring to watch. I mean, you see them live and it was just like, it just, I don't know, it's just a really, really incredible moment. So um, and then, you know, get off stage and just, we'd all be laughing and, you know, just to become friends too, such a, such a cool thing. So, so I, you know, like even though our, our style, I think, you know, as we kind of, um, like kept pushing forward, you know, and, and, and some of the later stuff we started, you know, pushing more to different sounds and stuff like that it didn't maybe sound as much like hot water at that time. I still, I don't remember ever feeling like, man, we got to get out of from that shadow, you know, we just never have to, there was, it was at least the way I'm remembering it is just like total inspiration from just as people and just creative inspiration. And they just had that blend that I, you know, I really, really aspire to like that. It's just positive and just really, you know, put a fist in the air and really have a great time listening to music and, and all that stuff. So so yeah, that's my you know that's how I feel about hot water. I mean, I could go on you know for a long time. But yeah, from, from a small town you know just in Michigan, I, I definitely remember seeing them that that night. And I wasn't really gonna, wasn't planning on going to that show, the one I talked about in Kalamazoo, and just kind of it was a Monday night or something. And then somebody said, "Oh, you got to check out this band," and it was like,
0: "Yeah, I'm glad I did." Yeah, you're like, "Oh, this is how my life has changed now."
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, totally. Right. I'm definitely one of those bands.
0: Yeah. And I, I think, you know, what, uh, I mean, especially when you are, you know, a band and trying to, you know, do the thing, make a namesake and obviously, you know, do the work that it takes to get people to pay attention to your art, and what you're doing. Um, you know, it doesn't, it's not harmful to be like, oh yes, like I'm, we are inspired by these bands and, you know, yeah, we're not making no, no bones about the fact, like it would be weird if you got up there and you were like, I don't even know who Hot Water Music is, you know, like that was your, you know, and it would be yeah. like, what are you talking about? Like, of course you do. And you're like, oh, I heard them. Yeah. yeah, You know, like you did that whole. Yeah, I see the similarities. But, you know, we didn't even hear them when we were doing this. It's like, yeah, no, that's a that would be too weird to do that.
1: Yeah. No, I mean, it was, you know, um, I felt like lucky. I mean, it was like one of those things to be even accepted into, you know, what I saw, it's, you know, we were we looked at no idea and Hot water in Gainesville and a ton of those bands just like, Oh man, they're, they're just great, really inspiring stuff. Um, and so to be kind of accepted and then brought along and then, you know, it was, it was just awesome. It was super rewarding, you know, just to feel like, Oh wow, this is cool. I guess we belong here, you know, or whatever. Somebody thinks we belong (laughs) on this tour or on this label or whatever. So it it was cool. It's just a, I definitely look back at that time. It's just like, I don't know, real, yeah, positive. So,
0: Sure. Yeah. Well, especially too, because, you know, where you guys were coming from, you know, from a geographical perspective, you, you guys obviously did have a scene up there, but really there weren't bands like, you know, I mean, you guys touring and playing shows with Thoughts of Ionesco, like, you know, like that was a, a function of they were your friends, but like sonically, you guys could not be more different, you know? <laughs> like, <laughs> yeah. And, but then, you know, you, you kind of like uh, look to these other scenes where you're like, oh man, it seems like, if we lived down there a lot, you know, like (laughs) we might be able to play a lot more shows with bands that, you know, have sonic similarities to us. So I can understand the fondness that you have for being kind of welcome in, even though you're not from their area.
1: Yeah, totally. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, geography was a huge part. I mean, I, I really same, like, I love the fact that Michigan, we were, it was all people who had kind of a, um, you know, in the scene, which is, love music and we, yeah it was all different kinds of bands at that point you know but we just loved playing together cuz yeah we were friends and like and that was cool i mean i think we all can think back to those times when like yeah you'd have a show or it was a you know a punk band and a real quiet indie band and then a metal band or whatever and that's just how it was when you're you know and but it was really cool too cuz i took inspiration from any you know was never like oh i'm just into this style of music like being able to come from a scene like that where it was all different kinds of bands um it just kind of we you know, there was always something that inspired you. And, and a lot of times if I look back, like people would ask like, oh, you know, where's your inspiration? What do you get inspiration from musically? And, and I, a lot of times I'd say, yeah, it was our friends bands. The ones like initially it was all the ones, you know, around Michigan that we would just play with. And we just get so excited that, OK, we got a show in a month and, you know, we get to play and see
0: our friends bands and stuff like that.
1: So that hodgepodge of sound is really just like, I don't know, it, it's fun to think back on it for sure
0: yeah absolutely um kind of putting the focus squarely on you um you know i know i mean obviously you and your brother played uh you know music and you know cl- clearly we're influencing one another but uh you know were you guys born and raised in the the i mean where the the band kind of came up or did you guys move around michigan no
1: we were we were born and raised in a, in a small town in michigan called marshall and um we just we actually grew up like um, out in the country like our we it was about eight miles north of town where we um it was just a farmhouse my parents you know that we moved into when I was like one and it was just way out in the country and we we lived right across the street my parents were the caretakers of a bird sanctuary and it was just like you just made your own fun when you're out there you know you totally like whether it was You know building ramps in the barn to skate or you know eventually it was learning music and we practice out there and all that stuff so so it was i guess that was part of the you know when we were uh just you know growing up was just like cool you just diy make your own fun you know whatever it was build a fort in in the woods or whatever so um so yeah when we started you know it was like really when when small round bike started at that point we had you know moved up to um like east lansing lansing area uh, which is about 45 minutes north of us from, and it was like, that's when we really kind of, you know, for college and work and stuff like that. And that's where we really started forming and, and setting out and doing more shows around Michigan and the Midwest and stuff like that. So.
0: Sure, sure. Yeah. Uh, the, I mean, that sounds really Weird as far as being caretakers of a bird sanctuary in a rural area, like that's that's not common, like that's <laughs> yeah, I
1: guess, so, yeah, totally.
0: So, so I mean, was it like uh, you know, was it like a sort of a wetlands area, or was it like an actual conservatory where it's like you know, here's this dome and here's all the birds living in it? Like yeah, no,
1: no, it's it's like thousands of acres managed by the Michigan Audubon Society, and it is, uh, I mean, I still go there today with my kids and family, and we hike around there, it's a really special spot to, to me. Um, But yeah, it's just beautiful acres of land. There's a marsh, there's the sandhill cranes um, migrate to and from there every year. So in the fall, like there's thousands of cranes that come through and like the sound of cranes flying uh, through the air. It's like, it's just like, it's super iconic to me. So yeah, it sounds weird, I guess coming from a a guy in a band or whatever, but it's, it's super ingrained into me. Like just growing up uh, somewhere like that where it's super, peaceful and and whatever just yeah being outside and just enjoying that part of life for sure
0: listen it's a little bit cold these days right you know what you need band merch band merch can outfit you your house with all the warmth you possibly need and you do that via rockabilia.com. use this code pc 100 words that gets you 15 percent off your order and you'll be able to buy blankets long sleeves sweatshirts sweaters they have everything you possibly could want like i'm looking at this really sick metallica ride the lightning white long sleeve with sleeve print it's just so cool looking but regardless you will find what you are looking for there fast shipping amazing customer service all officially licensed above the board they pay the bands out and like i said an independently run business they know what's up they've been they've been doing this for like 20 plus years and i just love what they do so Go to the website, type in some bands. You'll be able to get some great merch and a great deal. So PC100Words, that lets them know that this particular show sent them and that you will be purchasing band merch via them because of this podcast. So let's keep the virtual cycle going. Rockabilly.com, PC100Words, 15% off your order keep warm was it just you and your brother in the house or do you have other siblings nope just the two of us yeah it was
1: my brother and i and my folks and then we always had you know pets and stuff like that but yeah so but we definitely you know like by the time in high school we were getting in you know or we were in music you know my dad had records and guitars and stuff around the house and my parent music was always kind of part of the house but um in high schools we started getting into like getting our own instruments and kind of learning how to play you know bar chords and stuff like that and just learning whatever songs, learning Led Zeppelin songs or whatever. So, um, sure. so yeah, we would just sit out. I mean, yeah, you know, and it was not like we were just completely isolated. We, we, you know, we went to school and, to town and like, we had plenty of friends. We'd be in town playing, skating and stuff like that. So, uh, but yeah, de- definitely by the time we were in high school, we were just kind of messing around more with instruments and learning songs and then, you know, learning together, kind of playing stuff together and stuff like that. So, so yeah, it was just yeah.
0: And you're, uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but you are the younger brother or the older brother? I'm older. Yep. I'm three years older than Ben. So, um, got it, got it. So yep. he, he was the baby and he got spoiled and you, uh, took all the, the, <laughs> brunt of the punishment. I'm just kidding.
1: <laughs> yeah, I know. We got it, you know, it was funny. I mean, yeah, by the time, you know, he was always, you know, whatever, But we were playing shows, I mean, he'd be, you know, 15 years old or whether, whatever, just playing bass <laughs> and, and whatever. So he, um, and like, Trav, who was also, you know, in small run bike, his brother, he had a brother who was three years younger, too. So the four of us spent a lot of time out in the country, whether it was skating, building forts and stuff like that. So like, that was kind of our, you know, four of us. That was your crew. Yeah, Yeah. totally. So.
0: (laughs) No, that's, that's cool. Um, And, uh, you know, as you started to, you know, go to school and start to you know, develop some of your own identity, you know, did you like, like what kind of kid did you find yourself being, you know, were you like, you know, trying out sports? Were you like, Oh, I I love school. Like where did you find yourself?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I, I, I was into like, um, Like sports never really stuck with me. I just wasn't good at it. You know, it's just like whatever. I got into skateboarding in in middle school and like team sports and stuff like that. You know, I tried out for the basketball team, whatever, and just like, I don't know, just wasn't in my (laughs) my DNA or whatever. And so, but skating was great. You know, it was just that kind of thing, especially just being able to, you know, I like riding BMX bikes and stuff like that. And so skating just became this thing. It was, I I don't know. I think, um, sometimes the competition part of me, I was just like, I just, I don't know. It's just whatever like, I don't care that much. Or something. Yeah. I'm like, I just like, you know, skate with my friends and hang out and, and, um, you know, I like baseball and stuff like that. But, and then I was, you know, I was, I like school too. Like I, you know, I, um, I was okay at it. You know, I could get, you know, it's always just worked for me and I could get through, I liked reading and all that stuff. So I was, you know, I could do academic stuff and then, but just outside of that, it was just like, yeah, I, like just kind of not really just kind of doing things my own. I always liked that, whether it was drawing, my mom was an artist. And so she would, you know, we were little would take us, you know, painting and just go outside and paint and stuff like that. So I've always been, you know, more on the art side of things. And, and, but skating really was that, that was like kind of the pull into the world of, cause skating had so much cool art with it and, you know, music and all that stuff. It was like, that kind of drove me into, you know, getting more into music and all that stuff.
0: Sure. The, the subculture opened up.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah.
0: And, and I, I think that's, uh, it's always interesting too, because the, I mean, most people, uh, that obviously get attracted to, you know, weirdo subculture art, sure. it, like skateboarding is such an entry point because of what you articulated where it's like the art is interesting. Um, you know, uh, the music is cool. Like it's all cool. And there's like yeah. nothing yeah. that is like, uh, unapproachable about it besides like, oh, I can't do, these sick tricks but like you know it's like I, right. I i embrace everything else but the fact that maybe i can't do a kickflip very well
1: right yeah totally no it was yeah it was it was a total kind of combination of art and music and just and just being outside and just like i don't know enjoying just whatever just be the freedom of it and whatever and and yeah, so it was yeah the total <laughs> the total package to see like yeah this this is definitely cool this is where I want to be and just kind of go from there so right um,
0: what and how did that get I guess introduced to you because you know most people uh, look at skateboarding you know even though arguably in the you know mid to late nineties is you know when it became more of a uh, mainstream culture thing but you know how how did you trip across it was it just like random friends throwing you skate videos or what was the deal yeah that's a great question
1: um you know i was into bmx and trav was the one who was getting into like skateboarding and it was there in in our small town i mean there was definitely other skaters in town and and so it was you know the um at that point like paul peralta and tony hawk and lance mountain those that stuff was making its way into marshall and so um something, you know, once Travis said, Oh, you know, you should try skating. I was like, yeah, okay, whatever. And then there was enough of a, of a skate community here that we were into it Um, that it just kind of, whatever it was, the, you know, there was a small group, but it still was enough that, that we would build ramps and you'd see people out and go skate and whatever. And so, um and then, yeah, once the videos, and there was a skate park over in Kalamazoo um where like there was a Powell demo there where like got to go you know, see Lance mountain skate. It was awesome, you know? So there was definitely a, a small but vibrant, like community of, of skaters around here. And so, and yeah, once videos and all that stuff took off, it just was like, you know, that, that's what all you do, you get up in the morning and then whatever, watch skate video for a little bit and, you know, and then go out and skate all day <laughs> or whatever in the summer, that, that was the thing. So um, yeah. So it was fun. Then we started branching out, you know, we drive around and leave town and go. Once we had cars and stuff, we could drive around the state a little bit and go to different spots and stuff like that. But there weren't really any skate parks or anything like that. It was just like go out and, you know, skate, skate the street. And then we had built a ramp, a wooden, a huge, like we had a barn at our house in the country and we built a huge ramp in there. We just built a bunch of, you know. Uh, spine ramp, just a bunch of stuff there. And so that was our little skate park. We just go right out into the barn and skate all day. So <laughs> that's so, awesome. Yeah. I it was turning into a skate interview. <laughs> well no, I, I just I, I
0: think yeah. it's I, I think because uh so many people have different experiences, you know, based on their geography of, you know, not only different skate styles, where it's just like, you know, uh, obviously like you're talking about street skating and ramp skating, where it's like some places that's not accessible at all. So street skating is the only thing you can do. But then to your point, you start to figure out all these other ways to, you know, uh, like view the world through the lens of skateboarding, where you're just like, oh, like we could probably skate here at the school. Like, because I've seen it in other skate videos. <laughs> like you just start right. to yeah. view the world differently. And then in turn, because of all this, you know, the music that's influenced by it as well, you start to be like, oh, I'm looking at the world completely differently than all my peers.
1: Right. Yeah, totally. Yeah. No, we had and there were a few like the some of the older brothers or older guys in town that they had, you know, tapes and you know, mixtapes and stuff like that, to check out this band or whatever. And it just was like so between the videos and that, yeah, it just started to kind of open your mind a little bit to like, oh, cool, there's more than you know, music out there in the what's on the radio or, or MTV or whatever it's like. And so, um, and there were still, you know, record stores at that point where you'd go around and, you know, you could go drive and get tapes and records and stuff like that. So I always love that part of it. So
0: of course, yeah, you're just buying, you're, <laughs> you're really buying blind where it's like, you know, you oh, and yeah. your friend go there and you're like, all right, I'm gonna buy this Circle Jerks tape. You buy the Dead Kennedys tape, and we'll tape it for each other, and then yeah. that's it.
1: Oh yeah, totally. No, I love that. I love like just going in and buying records just because the cover looked cool or whatever. It was totally my thing. So, and I just got cool stuff for for sure. So,
0: right, right, and it's also funny when you make uh you know a quote unquote mistake where you buy something and it ends up not being that good, and you're just right, like, oh, yeah. well, yeah. I'll, I'll still I'll, I'll try to like it.
1: <laughs> right yeah totally i swear this is good
0: yeah. right right uh so what What were kind of some of the early uh you know bands that kind of opened up your mind in regards to the more you know independent side of things like you were talking about the stuff that obviously wasn't on the radio
1: mm-hmm. yeah i mean like in like early in you know like in probably middle school and stuff like that is when we started to hear bands like you know seven seconds and just kind of the um you know punk just skate punk stuff that was just like um <laughs> that just went perfect with skating, you know? And so it was just like, um, I don't know that kind of got it going. And then, and yeah, seven seconds, like, I don't know. We always love listening to them. And then like all in descendants, like once her descendants and all I think was on one of those mixtapes, I was like, that really, really stuck with us. I mean, we love those guys. Like it just was like the perfect blend of like energy and pop and, and and like the, the the guitar playing everything was there was technical parts of it and all that stuff and so they were a huge just a huge like inspiration influence on us in those days of like we just you know loved everything they did and so um then going you know like once once you're going to high school it's like that's when you know nirvana and all that stuff you know the grunge scene really started taking off and and uh, and that was cool too. Totally. Like was totally in Nirvana and Soundgarden and, you know, Pearl Jam, all that stuff that was coming out. Cause it just was new and different than what people were probably used to on the, on their, um, you know, whatever pop radio and all that stuff. So, mm-hmm. so, but I could definitely say like from like the, in the world of punk and skate, like, yeah, listening to all the descendants, that was probably, you know, my favorite and, and, All all of us just loved it. Like it was like, yeah that that that's great. Like I said, that perfect blend of technical ability and pop and and just energy was great. So
0: and and importantly, humor too, because I think that really. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> like, you know, as a kid, like you, you go through the, you know, whatever, between the ages of like 11 and 15, like anytime music or something injects humor into it, you are almost predisposed to like liking it even more. You're like, oh, these, these are funny. Like that Schnitzel song is hilarious. Yeah, right. Yeah, there's <laughs> toilet paper on the cover. Yeah, totally. <laughs> yeah. Totally. Yeah. They're, they're yeah. singing about farts, but you know, yeah. they, they also <laughs> like girls. Like this is great.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Totally yeah that's true (laughs) they were they just had that sense of humor too That's just like fun and it wasn't you know there was no judgment or whatever like my brother and i went and saw the documentary that came out i guess that was a while back now it was six or seven years ago but it it was Mm -hmm. so awesome just seeing that kind of behind the scenes and that personal side of it so so yeah but that definitely played a part too like oh they're just you know having fun goofing off and just making music so
0: Right. Right. And, and I think the, I'm I'm putting words in your mouth because I also have a large affinity for descendants, but like, I think also just that, uh, the approachable nature of what they were talking about too, where it's like, it felt like problems that you were going through as opposed to, you know, whatever other punk bands would be singing about stuff where you're just like, damn dude. Um, I know this is a problem, but like, I, I haven't experienced that or I don't know what you're talking about mm-hmm
1: yeah. yeah that's definitely something about like the like descendants for sure when they'd sing about you know more emotional stuff like relationships girls or whatever it was like oh wow you can you know they put that right in a song and then I have that memory too of um hearing jawbreaker for the first time where I was like yeah like um I heard you know I heard him and just like wow that that you know just putting it all out there and just being really you know um uh just you know whatever uh just open about stuff like that or just and it was so I, I have that memory of like being those, you know, I think it was in high school or heard, um, uh, unfun. And I just was like, man, wow, that's really cool. It has this really cool blend. And that had, that had the same thing where, or, you know, <clears throat> a cool mix of stuff where it was, um, you know, the emotional side of it, the lyrics were really cool. And then they had the pop thing, but they also had this kind of darker side too that, that I was like, oh, you know, it was different than Descendants where this, you know, they're more, popping up beat or whatever, this was more just like, okay, what's this darker kind of, you know, whatever, um, parts and things like that. I re- that I that kind of struck me at that point. And that probably started to push me down the path of like other, you know, other music for sure.
0: Sure. Absolutely. And, and when you started to, uh, I guess, bring all this home, like both you and your brother, um, you know, cause it's, it's one thing if parents have to reckon with like, oh man, you know, one of my kids is getting into something that I don't understand is weird, but you mm-hmm. both we're bringing this home, you know, did your parents look at you guys being kind of like, well, I I don't understand this. It's okay. It doesn't seem super destructive, but um, you know, like, what is this yelling music? Like what, what is this? You know, how did, did that cause any, I guess, friction in the household?
1: (laughs) No, my parents, they were understanding. They were cool with it. Um, They were, you know, it wasn't, I I don't know if it was their cup of tea, you know, like they would, um, my dad had like folk records and blues records and stuff like that. But he, you know, he totally was a rock guy too. So it wasn't, um, whatever. And if they, they never, you know, judged it at all. They just were like, and when we started playing music and it was like this different side of us where, you know, we're, you know, being loud and yelling stuff like that. It was, they were just always supportive. We would, you know, practice in our attic or basement or whatever. And, and whether it was, you know, skateboarding too, my, my dad would help us build ramps and things like that. And so it was, it was, yeah, support, which I feel really lucky for. I know, uh, yeah, I'm sure, you know, it could be like, kind of like where what is this new thing, <laughs> you know, whatever. But they were they were always supportive. They drive us to shows and and whatever. They just were cool about it. So I think it was probably like partly just like keeping track of us too. Like cool, yeah, we're gonna we'll take you to that show and we'll we'll be in the parking sure. lot. <laughs> so
0: yeah. No, that's just that's cool because that that definitely is a experience like when Parents may not exactly understand what you're doing, but they understand that you're passionate about the thing, or um, you know, uh, want want to participate in something. I think that's what most parents are looking for. So you know, that's cool that you had that that more permissive experience.
1: Yeah, we were. It, it drove us. I mean, we were definitely like it made us want to make music and create art and just be, be a part of something. You know, and so I, I don't know, I don't really t- talked about it with them, but like, yeah, I mean, they saw like we were doing stuff, you know, we were just mm-hmm. whatever, creating stuff. And so I think that was probably heartening for them a little bit to say, cool, because they always did their own thing too. You know, my dad was a builder and like my mom did art and you know, so it was like, cool, they're these, they're doing, this is their thing. You know, it's, it's the same core foundational thing, just creating and making things being creative, but just a different <laughs> spin on it, you know?
0: Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. And so uh, I'm, I'm going to presume, I mean, is Small Brown Bike essentially like your first band or did you and your brother do um, some other stuff before that?
1: Yeah, we had had like in high school, we had had like, you know, kind of pop punk bands, stuff like that, where we do covers. And we, you know, and so it was just like, just kind of learning how to make music really, just kind of figuring out like, you know, chords and what's cool together and what, what doesn't work. And, you know, it is definitely influenced <laughs> by, you know, West Coast, um, just kind of, you know fast pop punk kind of stuff skate stuff um and then once you know once we left like moved out and and went to college and stuff like that is when we really that's when small round bike really started because it was like well we want to start something that um i don't know just had it was like i said i was going down that path of more just like whatever uh darker just whatever just kind of a blend of something different and so that's when it really got focused and said yeah let's <laughs> let's
0: do this so Sure, sure. Please, please tell me one or two of the early band names that you had for not small brown bike, but obviously those uh, pop punk cover acts.
1: Oh man,
0: oh, it's so, it's so goofy. Uh, well, that's the <laughs> that is the point, Mike. That's why these these. I'm more of this. It's okay. Uh, oh man, I can't. We <laughs> don't worry. It's okay. I won't. I won't okay. press you. I just. I feel. I just find it, it. It's so funny, and I'm sure that me saying this will. You know, you'll completely agree. When you start naming your first bands, like you yeah. don't even need to know what the band sounds like. You could just figure it out by the name.
1: <laughs> right i have i probably have, you know i I'm, I'm I save a lot of stuff too. so I probably have like a notebook <laughs> or like scratch just horrible ideas of when I was you know. 15 years old of band names and stuff like that so
0: of course you come up with a list of like 40 names and then you go through it with your friends to be like hey guys what's your what's your band name you're like well here i got 40 ideas let's go through it." yeah totally yeah (laughs) i didn't i didn't do anything in math class today so here we go (laughs) (laughs) yeah totally Um, and so what, what you, you obviously, like you said, you went to college, uh, what were you guys studying? Like, what were you, you know, doing because you clearly there was, uh, you know, not the, uh, and frankly, there was never a focal point with small brown bike to be like, oh yeah, let's turn this thing into a career whatever that would <laughs> <Yeah. So, laughs> be. Yeah, so what totally. did you, what were you guys studying?
1: Yeah, I was like, I was getting into, you know, like video, audio production, like the whole thing, like, well, I like music and I like this world of, you know, whatever this industry. And so I might as well be like um, start down this path. And so I was at, I went to Michigan state university and they had a program of just like, um, you know, communication mass, you know, media arts and stuff like that. And so I was like, cool. So, um, and this is before the internet was really taken off. Um, and so I had this, if, if, if probably asked me more at the time, I'd be like, yeah, it'd be cool to be like a, uh, environmental, like documentary filmmaker kind of thing. You could travel and, and, um, you know, whatever, do awesome videos and just travel the world, stuff like that. So, Um, but, and then I, at the end of that, right near the end of, um, going to college, like that's when the internet was starting to take off. And I took like a, you know, multimedia class or whatever, and took my first kind of web design development class. And that really stuck where it was like. You know, it was so much easier the um, the DIY part of it, where it's like, you know, where video production, if you're in a studio or even audio, it requires a lot of people. At least it did then. Where you're like, okay, there's a dozen people here to try to make a, a show or or whatever, um, or to you know do a documentary. So with web, I just was like, oh wow, this is cool because I can do everything. You know, I can design it and code it and publish it and all that stuff. And so that stuck with me really, and I still do that today. That just took me through where I just knew like, and you know, at that point we were working on. Dan, our drummer, he was getting into web stuff too and graphic design. And so we were just like, you know, building our own websites and stuff like that. So, so that's where I finished. And, you know, once I was done, I just stayed in that world of like design and just kind of development and all that stuff. And so, and, but it, we used that a ton in the band. We'd always be redesigning our website or whatever, you know, so. Right. But being able to do everything on one, you know, just kind of have the the power to like create and design and develop and publish something was really powerful at that point,
0: you know? Sure, sure. Well, and what you're talking about with you taking those disciplines over to, you know, what you do with the band, like it's so... Uh, it's so fun to be self-contained, you know, where you're just like, oh yeah, like we can build our own website and design our own shirts and stuff like that. Yeah, like we don't need to, you know, throw a hundred dollars to you know a random person to put up a website because at that time, obviously, that was you know you didn't have Squarespace or anything like
1: that. Right? Yeah, totally. I mean, we just that's what all of us really got into was that. My brother does, you know, he's a photographer in his video now. And it's like, but, you know, at that time, all the, any shirt that we did or any uh, album cover and all that stuff was designed by us. And, you know, we, we had a huge part in that whole, the whole creative thing, not just making the music and recording it, but also the whole, you know, design and, and, you know, creation of it and that was i love that stuff and to me that's just as fun it's just like cool what's this record gonna be called and what's the you know artwork gonna be and what file are we gonna use and all that stuff it was definitely an art project from you know start to finish
0: Sure, absolutely. Yeah, you you guys were being creative directors without even knowing that's a title, right? <laughs> yeah, oh,
1: yeah, totally. Yeah, oh,
0: that's, <laughs> and that's what I, I love too about you know people that uh, exist in the DIY scene and playing bands and you're doing all these things. You're developing skills that you, of course, at the time can't articulate. But you know, doing merch counts like you're learning accounting. You know,
1: right? <laughs> like, yeah, totally. Yeah. Oh, I learned, yeah. So much stuff. I mean, gosh, it's the music gave me so much from that. Yeah. The business side of stuff to the marketing and, you know, sales or whatever, and just traveling and seeing the the country. I mean, geez, I mean, it's such a cool experience now to look back on that, you know, again, coming out from, you know, the small town and then getting to explore the, the country was just like such a huge opportunity, but yeah, it did. I mean, it, it was our DIY lesson, you know, And as much, you know, uh, college was, was, um, super useful and fun and just to get out and meet new people and all that stuff but i learned a ton from just being out in the world and doing music and seeing how the world worked and and learning about myself just how to create stuff and what i liked and didn't like and um, all that stuff
0: yeah absolutely and so once you started to you know get out there and Play shows and and tour a little bit with Small Brown Bike. What was touring? uh, I guess what you anticipated it being. I mean, I know when you're kind of drinking from the fire hose at that age of just like everything's new and exciting. Um, But was, uh, you know, was tour what you expected or was it something completely different?
1: Yeah, that's a good question. I think it was. I mean, we really, it was really exciting. I mean, the way I think back of it now is that yeah i mean the the opportunity just to go play fireside drive chicago or something was super cool because we're about right halfway in between chicago and detroit so we could go over detroit and play or chicago and so and so that was our first start kind of getting out you know um playing we play around michigan for sure and go play detroit then we started to go to chicago and then it you know just kept expanding into um you know north carolina and then we you know make our way to florida and all that stuff so i guess um and yeah, at that point, you know, it's just us in this conversion van. I mean, just a total, you know, DIY, throw yourself in the back and try to, you know, figure it out, it had a map, no phones, you know, just got directions, scribbled down a notebook from the email that the guy sent or whatever. So um, it was exciting on all those fronts for sure. And then as we, you know, as we get to get, go on more tours and stuff, I mean, it was, yeah, it was places that I had never been before, the East Coast and, going to you know new york and dc and then eventually going to california and all that stuff so at least my memory of it the early days of touring definitely was like this is fun this is this is really cool i always you know since my time in you know high school or whatever i always had like a show to look forward to like okay we got a show in a month we got a show you know in two months or whatever touring was that every day it's like cool we got a show tomorrow you know we got something to look forward to something to work towards and so um so it was, yeah, those, it was definitely great. And, you know, and then definitely, you know, mid later years where it can be exhausting or it's like, okay, we're, you know, long drives. We, we drove all the way home from California one time, you know, 35 hour drive or whatever. And so yeah. it, 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 I don't want to sugarcoat it either. There were t- plenty of times on tour where we were exhausted and I just wanted to be home. It's like, Nope, this is not fun right now. So, right. Uh, but at least yeah, initially, yeah, yeah. when we were pulling out and just like, going, it was, it was that excitement, like, you know, just having a good time and just enjoying the the road. So. Mm-hmm.
0: And because of that, you know, once you guys started to get a little traction, like, you know, once you obviously signed a No Idea and started putting out records and then, I mean, I personally, just from an outsider's uh, perspective, you know, Dead Reckoning really kind of, you know, put you into, you know, a different uh, class of what you, you know, might've previously been. Mm-hmm. And, the business implications started to, you know, kind of come into play, Um, you know, and I use those terms maybe in air quotes, but like once you had to be like, damn, dude, like we're getting paid $500 to play this show. And like, we just sold $700 with a merge or whatever, like, Mm -hmm. you you know, money started to come in. Like, did you enjoy the aspect of doing the the business of the band? Or was that kind of, you know, cumbersome for you? Because you were like, I don't really want to deal with this. You know, where'd you kind of sit?
1: Yeah, I actually, I, I lo- enjoyed it, you know, like, it was like, that was part of the whole thing. Like, I liked kind of, um, if anybody was, you know, quote, unquote, kind of the band, you know, you know, manager-ish or whatever, I I guess I would, that would have been me. I mean, we all contributed in our own ways. I don't want to, you know.
0: Oh yeah, of course. There, yeah, there's always like the one yeah, I am interrupting you here, but like yeah, yep. there's always the kind of like band dad or whatever that, you know, yeah. is like, oh yeah, they that person's talking to the label or that ter- person's talking to the, you know, um promoter or whatever. So yeah. Yeah,
1: that generally fall in my lap. Just I don't know why. just I mean, but I guess I enjoyed it. I would I would be the one, yeah. Um, doing that, doing that stuff, and then just kind of saying, "Okay, we made right, we made a hundred bucks. Cool, let's put." You know, I'd have my notebook, and yep, hundred bucks for gas money, and then nope, we spent fifty bucks on a hotel and all that stuff. It's just in my DNA to just kind of do that stuff, whether you know it's important or not. But, but yeah, definitely. Um, And so once, but you know, and then we'd have uh, you know somebody on tour with us who was you know the merch guy or whatever, and so I we'd kind of share the duties and, and eventually it got to be like, cool, you just do this. Like, I don't, you know, once we saw some of the other bands too, like they'd have a tour manager or somebody would be like, Oh, that's, that's nice. Then I don't have to, you know, worry about every single thing I can focus more on playing or whatever. So, um, but for the most part in early, yeah, I didn't mind it. It was like, cool, let's, let's just keep track of this and try to be, you know, whatever smart as we can about it. So.
0: Right. Right. No, that's cool. Cause I I do think that some, some people, uh, you know, especially with bands, they're they get thrust into that position of you know being the business person when they're like, well, just because I know how to use Excel doesn't mean I necessarily <laughs> like want to do this or like am good at doing yeah. this, and so then yeah. you know sometimes it could be a uh, weird th- responsibility that's thrust upon the person, especially too from the conception of. Oh, this person's the singer. So of course they're going to handle the business. (laughs) No, like that's not, that's not the best course of action. Right.
1: Yeah. I, you know, I, I probably, there were probably times when I probably got too much, you know, or just like spent a lot of time, whether it was dealing with, you know, whatever the money or even the non-music stuff, you know, or it's like that I, I probably didn't need to do all that, but it was just me being me, you know, whatever. And, um, And it may, you know, it probably eventually played a little bit of role in like getting a little bit burnt out too. You're like, okay, we got to order shirts and we got to do this, whatever, when you're not really doing the core essence of what the band, (laughs) what really, why you started the band in the first place was to play music and have fun, you know, play shows and stuff like that. So, but overall, I mean, somebody's, you know, got
0: to do it. (laughs) Yeah, it's true. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Otherwise, it's like, uh, hey, this tour is not going to book itself. This merch right. isn't going to order itself. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> uh, when did you, uh, I guess, kind of feel like the band was real? Um, and you know what I mean by that is like it doesn't even necessarily need to be like, oh my gosh, we played this show in front of you know 800 people or whatever. But you know, when did you start to, I guess, feel that there was, uh, for lack of a better term, like momentum where it's like, oh my gosh, like this is this seems you know, crazy that this is like to <laughs> 10 people are singing along and I don't know any of them or whatever.
1: Yeah. There were a few kind of moments probably that each one was a new phase in the band in some ways. Um, sure. I think one that, um, I think about sometimes is, uh, there used to be uh Michigan fest, which was, I don't know how many years it ran, but you know, it was a, at a, um, VFW hall down in, like Detroit area and Wayne, where you know a ton of bands would get together every year and play, it was just a thing. Um, and and we always like, Oh, that's really cool. I mean, it was all different kinds of bands from all over the the nation, you know. And so, um, and we played that, I think it was 99, it was right after, right before our own wars, our first record, I had no idea, it was coming out. Um, and just the nature of a fest like that, there's you know 800 or a thousand people packed in this VW VFW hall anyway. And they're just going to see the next band whether they like them or not. Um, but we got on and, and we played it, you know, early evening or something like that. I want to say, but it just, it went nuts. I mean, people went nuts. It was just really, really like one, of at least from my, remember one of the first times where it was like, whoa, this is really fun. <laughs> it was like, people were, you know, just singing along and it, it just was one of those moments that I'll, that I'll never forget, you know, just like cool Well, people are you know we played small shows around like that but nothing that big where it was just like um that exciting and it felt like a new kind of like opened the door of like what's possible like oh okay people can you know (laughs) would react to our music like that so and it was just a good positive energy for sure so
0: yeah um, no that's all that honestly fests are just because they're you know a more rare commodity on a DIY level. Like, you know, it's either, you know, Coachella, Lollapalooza, or then, you know, maybe you're you're lucky enough to get like, you know, a, a, a fest that goes from year to year. Whereas mm-hmm. like, you know, in the mid to late 90s, like fests, you know, more the music and everything else, there was so much stuff happening. <laughs> and yeah. it's just harder to pull that off. But to your point, the idea of playing a fest and like, you know, being like, there are so many other things you could be doing right now, but you're in this room you're watching my band play right now and (laughs) that that, and you're freaking out like this is crazy this is awesome
1: yeah yeah that was really that was that was fun a cool moment for sure um later you know once we when when hot water on our hot water took us on tour because another band broke up we got on this tour with them and saves the day and this was i think it was 99 um he was 2000 i don't know but that was that's where we really were like you know, been never been in the East Coast before. We jammed all our stuff into our van and just went for it. Of course, I mean, it's like you can't turn on tour like that. It was so so exciting. And once we started, we started playing a few shows. We were, you know, the openers on that tour, but we, um, by the time we got up into like Boston and Philly, um, you know, huge crowds. And but they were there, were there were always a handful of people reacting to our music. And it was like that was cool too, just to be so far away from, you know, our home state. And, there's somebody in the front row, you know, singing lyrics along to you. That's when it was started. Like say like, wow, this is, yeah, this is something kind of going on here for sure. For us.
0: Sure. Yeah. This, this, this felt um, like, like, yeah, we were talking about momentum. So yeah. Mm Um, I, I find it you were talking about this a little bit earlier in regards to um, you know, the sonic evolution of the band and you guys starting to, you know, incorporate like that you're not just gonna be simply releasing, you know, every record that is just like a slight tweak on what you were doing previously. Um, you know, you guys were were wanting to push yourselves. I mean, especially with the Riverbed, that was, you know, I remember when that record came out and it was one of those things where it's not as jarring as like a, like a cave in Jupiter where it was like, whoa, what the, (laughs) what is this? But like, there was definitely like, okay, like it's a little more subdued, there's more layers, there's more textures, but then it was interesting because I saw, um, You know, just whatever from like a, a music journalist standpoint, like people who just had written you guys off as like this, you know, whatever dumb loud punk band were like, oh, no, there's like more to this. Like, I, I don't know, I might be reading too much into it, but like, did you guys notice there were those like divisions of camps where it's like, okay, like small break isn't this this band that I like anymore and then you know like newer people were at your shows or what was the uh, you know I guess the internal observation that you you guys were seeing
1: yeah yeah I mean we definitely um you know um that's where we wanted to go you know it's just like a thing like well we want to kind of push it further and um we had been just you know internally that's just how we we didn't want to kind of stay the same and just kind of try new things that's what we wanted to do so when you know, we had toured with, um, cursive who we became really good friends with and watching, you know, they, in so many ways kind of pushed whatever indie rock, whatever into this, their own thing, you know, whether it was adding a cello, um, but it just was inspiring. And then we had the opportunity to tour with like cave in and Sparta at one point, you know, and it's just like these bands, all those, those bands were all heavy. They all playing rock music, but just sonically it was just, a broader spectrum of stuff, you know? And so that definitely influenced us. We're just like, yeah, that's just, it's just cool. And let's try, let's try some new experimental stuff just you know, from our side, it wasn't like we're, you know, going free jazz or anything, but it was just like, right. um, Just, yeah. Just trying to kind of push it forward. So, um, and, and so I guess, yeah, the camps, it's hard because I don't, I didn't really see it as much as, you know, nobody ever came up to us like, man, you guys really, suck now you're really no good yeah, right
0: <laughs> it's like true, <laughs> true.
1: so we kind of unfortunately um, we were you know like i said when we toured with bands that we were in the same vein with people understood it i think when we um i, I thought about this we talked about it like when riverbed came out you know um it did it was kind of it was different and new not as like as, you know whatever um aggressive right out of the get get get-go but it had those heavier moments you know that i think were just more deeper emotional whatever but it took a few years but then we got back together a few years after that you know those were the songs people were like man i really love that song or so we get feedback now or in recent years that's like i really love that record like that one whatever and so it's just one of those things that maybe it grew on some people after a while and i get it we've all been there i've been there where i'm just like you know, a band puts out a record, you're like, nah, I just don't know. And then you come back to it six months later or a year later and you're like, man, this record is great. So, so yeah, that like, podcast. I get it. I get
0: it now. I get it. Yeah,
1: totally. Yep, yeah, totally. So,
0: and, and, and honestly, I, I think that that is, and, and it's so, you know, uh, I'm trying to think of the word, it, it, it's so difficult when you know you are a band that you know is, starts to release material that is you know not markedly different, but is obviously expanding your 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 sonic palette. Um, you know, maybe to use a music journalist quote or whatever. But the the idea that you know then you, you're still doing the work, like you're still doing the work of touring and making sure that people are aware that your new record is out, and like there's just that um, you know level of uh, toil that you put into it to where sometimes you don't have the time to, you know, for people, it's like five years later, they're like, Oh, actually now I like that record. And you're like, damn it. Like, <laughs> we're not playing shows anymore. <laughs> whatever." <you know? laughs> yeah. It's like, yeah and i'm sure that i mean cuz i i know you, you guys uh, you basically stopped playing shows in like, to, around 2004
1: 2005 you would say mm-hmm. yeah 2004 and, is when we played our our last shows at that point right
0: and and i know that it was like you know the the last like full us stuff that you guys did with uh casket lottery like that was kind of you know the tour the, or the the straw that brought the camels back um and, and and was it one of those things where you guys were just feeling that pull of like i mean i know you've expressed this before where the band wasn't, you know, quote unquote, fun anymore. Like it, mm-hmm. a lot of the original enjoyment was kind of, you know, maybe removed for a, a myriad of reasons. Um, but was it, uh, did you guys just feel that pull? Like, okay, like we got to join real life, whatever that may mm-hmm. mean, or what was going on in your head? Yeah. Yeah.
1: I think, you know, in the music element, I think that pushing the, you know, adding kind of new sonic elements and just kind of experimenting more, I think in, in some ways, um, it was challenging too. It was like, it wasn't easy internally for us. We were just like trying to, um, you know, struggle. Sometimes we'd have demos like, yeah, that's just not there yet. You know, we need to figure it out. It took, it was, I don't know if it was harder to write at that point, but it was just, um, it required more of us in some ways where, okay, let's kind of, you know, crack this code or figure out how we're going to, you know, write a six minute song or, you know what i mean or not not we don't intentionally writing a six minute song but it just kind of so some of those challenges there for how we work together as a band on like um pushing that that art forward you know and so um and at times it was frustrating at times it was great you know i mean there's there's definitely some of the songs from that era where i they're the most you know i'm most connected to and we when we play them live in recent years i'm really you know really just whatever, uh, connected to it. I'm like, God, ah, this is, this really worked out, <laughs> you know, there are other times I'm like, God, mm-hmm. ah, this, that, that could have been different or better. I changed that or whatever. So, so I think some of the internal, just like art creating with four people and trying to push it into a different, you know, direction was, um, was part of it. And then also just the, yeah, for sure. Just like the, probably the exhaustion of just like, um, yeah, the being on the road and then coming home and we'd, you know, we'd make some money on the road, but it was never enough to, you know, just live and forever and whatever we'd constantly have to do this, this juggling act of come home and work and then plan the next tour and then, you know, and all this, all that. So um, for me personally, yeah. I mean, I think I was getting to the point where I was like, um, yeah, just the sound of being home and being free of some of all that stuff that had just piled up for years. was just, it was something that, I was like, yeah, I'm, I'm ready. You know, I'm just—I can't speak for everyone in the band, but I, we all obviously were like to that point where it's like this is isn't uh, clicking anymore in some ways, and and what's you know, there's other things I want to pursue that the band's probably just getting in the way of at this point. That you know, that kind of constant roller coaster of on the road, off the road, or out, make a record and all that stuff. So, um, and it just was, yeah, it was just taking its toll for sure. Personally, everybody's just like, yeah, this is. Um, this just, whatever, it's time for sure. So.
0: Yeah. Well, and I think too, because of the, the place where you guys were coming from of just like, we're pursuing these opportunities as they're coming to us, you know, tours, record deals, like, you know, the forward momentum of the band, you know, kind of pushes you forward and sometimes you don't have the time to think about like, what is it that we're actually doing? Like, you know, we're not, we know that this isn't going to be like our thing. Like we're not going to be (laughs) 70 years old and doing this or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, And so it's only when you kind of run into that wall, you know, sometimes maybe during good times, sometimes maybe during bad times, but yeah, the perspective of where you guys were coming from, it's like, well, we knew this wasn't a thing. So like, (laughs) why are we beating ourselves up about this?
1: Yeah, that's a good point. I mean, we were definitely in, I, I guess, the shorter term thinking at that point. I think for the last, you know, year or so of the band, we were always, it was just kind of like looking at the next three months or the next, you know, thing. And, and the long term or the the bigger picture had just kind of been, you know, drowned out. And that's just the nature of it. It's not anybody's fault. It's just the the world that, you know, you're just like, OK, what's next and what's the next project and what's the next thing? And, and so you lose kind of you, you lose that ability to step back and be like what's going on here from the big right. picture kind of thing. So, so yeah. Totally.
0: what so, about, what am I doing here? Wait, well, hold on. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's take a pause here. Yeah. Um Two last things I want to hit on was the, um, you know, once you, you guys obviously decided to break up and, um, you know, give uh, everybody that kind of space that, you know, everybody wanted from, you know, exploring other things, doing other bands. I mean, obviously you've done a lot of stuff with LaSalle and, you know Abel Baker Fox and everything, but was it difficult for you to kind of transition out of the the you know that cycle of like the the touring cycle and then being known as like oh like Mike from Small Brown Bike and like mm-hmm. you know that sort of identity that gets uh, you know intrinsically wrapped up in being in a band uh, was that a difficult process or were you able to kind of step away and be like oh yeah like uh, let's you know let's set down the roots and I don't necessarily like look at myself like that so it's mm-hmm. okay
1: yeah. Yeah. The, the, the weight of, of the band off my shoulders was definitely just like a a relief. And at that point where, and I guess a lot of it was focused on just the road, just being on and off and touring and all that stuff where that, um, just not having that on, you know, on the shoulders was, was like a breath of fresh air, like cool. And I can just be at home and, um, you know, I lived with my now wife, Katie, at that point, and we were just like we had a house and we had a dog and we would, you know, we were playing music, she plays music, and so it's just that kind of thing where the music, the core thing that I really cared about, the art of it was still there. And I almost immediately was, you know, working on music, you know, even after Small Bike broke up. It was like, Cool, what's what's next? You know, and so um so it was definitely like it was that relief for sure existed but it was the the core part of it just playing music and whatever it was like not i still was ready to go back and do that again now, i won't say immediately but it was not long after it was like i just had to you know play music again and that's when katie and i and dan started lasalle and it was just like cool let's just keep playing music and i guess it was that not the all the other stuff that went along with it the 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 tours and all that stuff, which sounds weird, you know, like that cause of, you know, initially that stuff was really, really fun, but it was just a, it was a relief to just be home and just focused on just life and whatever, and but still have music in it for sure.
0: Yeah. And, and I think, I mean, it's been evident over the past, you know, whatever, 10 or so years of independent music where, you know, I mean, every band doing reunions and coming back, you know, you guys included where, the understanding that this doesn't need to be like the all-consuming thing where it's like mm-hmm. oh we have to play 300 shows a year otherwise like <laughs> no one's going to care or whatever like that you know getting on that hamster wheel um mm-hmm. you know it it's obviously for some people and some bands but like not every band has to fit into that uh that mold and mm-hmm. you know i i'm sure that's what kind of unlocked everything for you guys where it's like oh hey we don't like we can just play shows when we want to like yeah. if, if it's available, you know?
1: Right. That was huge. I mean, the shows that we did more recently in two thousand nine, ten, you know, that like I think that's one. well, whatever. The, the, yeah, two thousand fifteen. Whatever. Where we were just we were just playing a few fests and just like we you know, we'd fly into a show or we went down to Austin and played a show or Atlanta. It was just like Super, super fun. I mean, just that is—I mean—that's really in so many ways for where we're at. And what, yeah, that's why a lot of other bands, same thing. It's like just the ideal situation where you can still make music with your friends, but you get to do it, you know, here and there, and, and just do the really fun shows, you know, especially the fest where it's like again, there's already thousands of people there anyway, so <laughs> they're gonna right. watch you whether you like it or not. But but yeah, yeah, so so that was fun. It was definitely a fun time to do those shows
0: yeah well and plus it's uh i mean at that point it's like a vacation you're just like oh, oh wow like yep. yeah we get to play we get to play a show in in, in Gainesville and do that like cool that's great
1: yep totally yeah and that's how we saw it for sure
0: <laughs> yeah exactly exactly um The uh the last thing I'd be remiss if I did not mention the uh, casket lottery split because Hmm. I mean still to this day like it's funny because and I'm sure this this thought has been echoed to you before where um that you know that that split is so not only damn good but it's just it's so interesting because you know a lot of bands have tried to do that of like oh yeah well you know you'll cover our song and like people will write a song together and like it does it never comes to fruition Hmm. but um the way that you guys put that together and then especially too with the, you know, the, the queen cover, um, Mm -hmm. like that just, uh, I don't know. I mean, I I guess there isn't a question (laughs) (laughs) embedded in this, but just the idea of like, I guess was that like, once you guys decided on the idea, um, and decided to do this, you know, collaboratively, was it, I guess, relatively easy once you got into the studio? Like how long did you spend in the studio doing that?
1: Yeah, that's, that was, I mean, it's just still, that was really, really fun, you know, because at that point in the the scene, you know, the time, you know, bands would do splits and and trading songs and all that stuff. So just to, it was, it was fun. And those guys, I mean, just like, you know, one of our best band buddies, for sure. We've known them since, I guess, I think we met in 98 or something like that. So, um, so it was, it was super fun. And, and the way, you know, it worked, we had, um, sent each other, like, tapes of songs, you know, whatever. Uh, we did a song, and then Nathan sang on it, and then they did a song, and I sang on it. Um, it was really fun. And I think in some ways, you know, I'm thinking about it now, just realizing this, that it contributed to probably how we kind of pushed forward into that next chapter of our sound a little bit. Because I remember being in the studio, and, you know, we did the drums on Under Pressure. You know, Ed, Rose, had they had gotten, like, this crazy kit. That oh, it, it was like the drums had like tuba at the end of them, like, and so when you hit, they <laughs> echo through the whole room, and and it was something like I think Ed had found out, or that was like the original drums that they had used on the original recording when David Bowie and Queen did it. So, um, it was so super cool, like, just like, um, it just kind of again pushed us forward creatively, creatively, just to say, like, you know, whatever, let's just have fun with this and whatever. And I also there's a song. Um, riding with death on there, like the acoustic song where Nathan and I both sing on that. But I remember, you know, that was the first time I ever sang quietly into a microphone and it was terrifying. I mean, I remember stepping into that. I just, (laughs) it's one of those things that sticks with me. It was acoustic pedal steel, really quiet. Um, but I love the song, but man, I remember the first time like opening my mouth to like sing those lyrics. It was, it was, it was terrifying for sure. And so, um, but it taught me something. And so it, it kind of pushed us, you know, that it pushed us into this, you know, the next chapter in a lot of ways that split just being totally free of any expectation, having the confidence a little bit, that you're doing it with another band that it's like, Hey, you know, we can, you know, whatever, uh, do something different here. It was, it was just really fun. So, so it's cool to hear that. I mean, yeah, we still hear feedback on it. Like people, you know, talk about the split and stuff like that. So it's, uh, it's definitely one of those things that kind of, you know, pushed us forward and just create creatively. So,
0: yeah. Oh, absolutely. No, it, it, and you, I really like that you articulated the fact that, you know, your influences were ping ponging off of one another and, Mm -hmm. you know, both of you guys as collective band units were shaped by that to explore your own sounds further. Cause like, it, it is really cool when that happens. Cause like you said, most of the time splits exist out of like, just out of, okay, we're friends. Let's do a split. Like maybe our fans will like your band or vice versa. Like mm-hmm. that was the whole idea. But you guys really, you know, I mean, and not to say that you invented the idea because clearly bands have done that before. Mm-hmm. But um, yeah, it was just interesting. And did you, I presume that because of its, you know, relative success or notoriety, like did you guys ever uh, talk about being like, yo, let's do that again? Or did you? <laughs> I mean, or, that or would, you, or go ahead. No, just kidding. Or or did you guys just kind of like, oh, no, like, you know, let, let, let sleeping dogs lie.
1: Yeah. A part two. Yeah. I mean, that really yeah. was the seed of what became Abel Baker Fox. You know, sure. Like you, True. Nathan and I just really were like, uh, you know, we've just been friends for I mean, we still, you know, text every week. It's like we. Um, and so that's where you know it gave us that that eye-opening like uh, it's fun to play together like we really just have si- similar styles but diff- like Nathan does stuff that I would never think of and, and I think vice versa where um and same thing you know with so that's where when Abel Baker Fox started um we were just like yeah we know we already work together well in studio and we know that we can write songs together and so that Abel Baker Fox is a completely like here, I'll send you a riff and you send me a riff back. And that band just kind of like the first record we did with Ed Rose, we were in the studio for I don't know, three or four days or something and put the did ten songs in that amount of time. Maybe it was eleven, I don't remember. But the, but anyway. So yeah, it kinda of just got the ball rolling that we knew that we could work together in a music, you know, in music for sure.
0: Right. Yeah. So essentially, yeah, the able Baker Fox is a further continuation of a split.
1: <laughs> right. Basically, yeah.
0: Totally. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> got it. Fair. Fair. Yeah. That that's it. That, yeah. I, I I guess I didn't view it as such, but yeah, that's a very clear, clear, straight line you could draw between the two. Yeah.
1: yeah. <laughs> um, it was years. I mean, it was uh I don't know, seven or eight years or something like that. Yeah. I don't know, my time's bad. But anyway, yeah, that's where it Yeah.
0: Yeah. Um, and now I, I promise last question in regards to, you know, I mean, like you mentioned your, your, dad, obviously you have, uh, you know, all of the, the, the things that you were pursuing in, you know, the, uh, discontinuation of the full-time touring life and stuff like that, you know, do, uh, how do your kids react to like your music and like, you know, daddy playing in a band and stuff like that? Is that, uh, is it funny for them or like, how do they uh, kind of interact with that notion yeah. of, you know, daddy being in a band?
1: <laughs> yeah. I think it's still a little abstract to them. I mean, but they, they know, I mean, I play music they've seen me play music, you know, whether just like locally and stuff like that. Um, um, and I, they're getting the age now. I think they think it's kind of cool. Like yeah, this, you know, okay. Like, and we have, you know, instruments around and and like our daughter can, you know, play the bass and whatever. And so, and we have a, I finally put up, I had collected years of, um, of posters through, you know, through all of our shows through the years. And finally this last year, put them, you know, in, in our office, put them all up. And you know, so we've got this room just full of, of posters. And I think that really kind of opened their eyes to like, well, what is this thing? You know, whatever. And there's all these names and all this art and all this stuff. And so I think, um, you know, it's not like it's not on purpose, but they're, they're seeing like that there was this thing and that, you know, whatever that it's, uh, it's real and whatever. So, so it'll be cool as they grow, as they grow through it, you know, whatever I don't, I always want them to do their own thing and, and get into the stuff they're into. I'm not going to be like, Hey, you know, uh, you know, look like at dad's old band and you got to start a band like that or whatever. So it's just, I just, uh, I hope, but I hope it has that that little inspiration for him that you can do whatever, you know, whatever you put your mind to, just like whether it's art, music, whatever, you can always do it. So, so it's, it's fun. And we definitely, you know, my wife and I, we play music around the house and whatever. And so they know that we were in a band that mom and dad were in a band together for years and all that stuff. So, so it's pretty, yeah, it's pretty cool.
0: Yeah. No, it's fun. It, It is funny because the, just the way that, and I'm sure you've had this thought process where it's like, you know realistically, you're not supposed to think what your parents do is cool in any capacity <laughs> at a certain age. And so like that idea of like for sure, your I mean, if your kids were like, dude, dad, small broad bike rules, you kind of be like, i don't know man like I don't, i'd rather yeah. you hate it and then understand <laughs> yeah. it later or whatever
1: right yeah totally yeah i just kind of put it out there it's just there i don't i don't have one way or another with them with I'm like this is just part of my life and part of
0: like right
1: our life you're and not, that you you take what you want from it you know
0: right you're not like all right guys let's let's sit down we're gonna listen to the entire discography right <laughs> yeah i'm gonna give you director's commentary on this <laughs>
1: Right, totally. No, we haven't gone there yet. So, but I'm no. sure, you know, that's something that's questions as they get older. It's like, yeah. So it'll be interesting to see how that all unfolds. But,
0: but yeah.
1: Yeah. But yeah. I'm lucky yeah. for sure.
0: Yeah. yeah. No, that's awesome. That's awesome. Well, Mike, thank you so much, dude. I really appreciate you letting me uh, take yeah, you to okay. all these random places. But just sure. for fun.
1: Yeah. It was great to talk to you again. It was, uh, yeah. It was awesome.
0: Okay. Thank you very much to Mike for coming on the show because uh yeah I just punished him over email and he was like yeah that sounds fun let's go ahead and do that next week I have I this is what I love about the show <laughs> I like being able to go from from Chase from Gate Creeper to Mike from Small Brown Bike and next week I have Dylan Walker from Full of Hell on the show it makes me happy because it I try to paint with a very broad brush on this show in regards to the type of guests that I have and the type of bands because uh, you know, like, not, none of us fit into a box in regards to our musical preferences. Some of us like grindcore, some of us like punk, some of us like indie rock, but then a lot of us like all of that. <laughs> and I think it's really, really fun to be able to uh, yeah, explore all of those uh, sonic caverns, as it were. And so, uh, yeah, that's what we have for next week. Dylan Walker from Full of Hell. Love it. And here we go. Be safe, everybody.